Distinguished delegates, I'm very happy to be here to speak to you on my views about the Indology conference that Raji Malhotra is having in New Delhi. I was supposed to come but could not because of various reasons, so I seek your pardon and apologies for not being there. What Raji Malhotra is doing is very important for our country and for our civilization. India is a very old civilization and possibly the only civilization in the world which has accepted the right of the individual to question authority and any authority at that. Being a very polymorphic or a polytheistic civilization, it means that we have multiple points of view, there is no dogma <coughs> and we have the right to question and we accept multiple paths to the same destination. It is a civilization which asks the question about the reason for existence of the human race, the purpose of a life. And our civilization is based upon the individual's quest to realize herself, the individual quest to find answers which are very, very large, much beyond the mundane questions of existence. It is not about day-to-day -day life, but about the greater things of life. It is also a civilization which respected knowledge. It is a civilization where <coughs> if the Rajguru were to come into the Raja's court, the Raja would come down from the throne, wash the feet of the Rajguru, and make him sit next to him on the throne. It's the only civilization in the world where knowledge and gurus were at the top of the totem pole, much above the warrior. In all other civilization, might was right, but it's not so in India because we were based on the concept of dharma. Everybody has to preserve dharma and everybody has to make sure that dharma is prevalent across society. And this right from the top to the bottom <coughs> was the concept on which our civilization was based. So the philosophy behind our civilization has been enormously rich in many, many facets. It's almost a self-contained core which seeks to expand from time to time based upon the questions that are raised and the questions that are sought to be answered. Nachiketa's dialogue with Yama in the Katha Upanishad is an outstanding example of a young lad questioning the God of death himself and impressing him with his scholarship. Uh, Shankaracharya's dialogue with Mandala Mitra is another instance where disputes were settled by dialogue and debates. Disputes were settled by answering <coughs> philosophical questions which impact the whole of us. Now, having such an old civilization, having such a rich culture, what is our obligation towards our past? What is our obligation to our society? Our first obligation is to preserve what has been there and carry it forward so that our children can continue to enjoy this in all its richness. Preserve it in the particular context. Preserve the dharma and the culture behind our civilization and our knowledge and make sure our children also understand. And here many of us fail because we think is available, is a duty of somebody else to preserve and we don't make efforts. And we don't respect people in our society at this point of time who are not Western. The so-called Western attitude that's come in. <coughs> and our children too are losing the ability to speak our languages and the connection between what is there as knowledge and the language required to decipher that is coming down in a very significant manner. Second, we have an obligation to make sure that scholars and others who make sure that this civilizational legacy is continued are honored and well taken care of. We must promote scholarship across the whole of this country. We must respect scholars who are people who preserve our culture and who preserve everything else. And that, I think, is extremely important. And here is where 
we are failing too. Because of our inability to preserve this, to invest in our civilization, we are in danger of having our discourse and the future of a civilization determined by scholars who don't come from a culture residing in overseas countries, and particularly scholars who are wedded to a particular leftist ideology which has variance with what our culture is all about. And I think we need to invest and create scholars within, and for that we have to support what Rajiv Malhotra is doing. The third important thing that is required for us is to make sure that we own our civilizational discourse and our narrative. The narrative is being taken away. The narrative is being taken away by a leftist school which derives everything that our civilization stands for, derives the Hindu dharma in a very different way, calling us communal, abusing us all the time, derives us in creating institutions which mock us and which do not look at our civilizational heritage. It is so shocking and surprising that ev where every developed country has departments to study its own civilization, in our Indian universities, the government is just not allowing uh, departments to study <coughs> Indian civilization, department of Sanskrit, the Hindu religion, and comparative religious studies, because they believe it goes against the secular ethos of the state, which is a very stupid argument, because the secular ethos very clearly says that the government should not dabble in religion and in the freedom of religion, but it does not say the government, as custodians of public money, should not invest in academic research on our own civilization. And that's why the quality of academic research, the quantum of academic research has come down. A new generation of scholars have come up who are being schooled in Western schools, who are taken over the narrative, and who are coming back here and dictating to all of us without much knowledge of Sanskrit, without having studied the old texts, without having engaged the great masters, and telling us what our ancient civilization is all about. They deride us, they write nasty pieces, especially uh, the piece that Ananya Mukherjee Ananya Vajpayee wrote in the Hindu deriding the Sanskrit scholars of Varanasi for preserving the culture and make uh, bad accusations. And in our, uh, in our schooling system, our school books have been taken over by the left for many years, ever since Nirul Hassan came, and uh, they have created a particular narrative which makes it uh, very difficult for young people to say they belong to the Indian civilizational heritage, almost making them look down upon the heritage. And that is a very big problem that you have. <coughs> we have one, another problem with governments, government and governance. For very many years, the left has ruled this country, and especially the Congress party has created a narrative based upon Jawaharlal Nehru's view of the world, which says very clearly that India's spirituality and India's uh, civilizational ethos is something that need not be encouraged. And Nehru seems to have changed after uh, independence. Gandhiji was a man of the masses. Gandhiji is a man steeped in Indian culture and Indian civilization. Gandhiji believed in the innate spirituality of the Indian. Whereas Nehru being a brown sahib was a very different makeup. Even if, though he wrote <coughs> a glowing narrative in the discovery of India, but later on after independence, he sought to make sure that yes, civilizational studies and other studies were overtaken by science and technology. We need science and technology, but we must never forget our past and our rich civilizational ethos because that is what makes us what we are. We cannot become widgets, we cannot become robots, we cannot become inanimate objects steeped in the technological progress of the West. But we have to be Indians who believe in the concept of dharma, who believe in the future of society. Because our civilization ethos is sustainable. 
Our civilization is thought is not based upon conquest of nature like Western civilization is, not based upon individual aggrandizement like uh, Western civilization is, is not based upon uh, making sure that you become wealthy and rich as Indian, as uh, Western civilization is. It is based upon sustainability, is based upon respecting nature, is based upon living with nature and it is based upon creating a life where the main purpose of life is not the accumulation of wealth, which is important, which is necessary, but realizing oneself, finding happiness and ensuring that dharma pervades the land. Dharma is much greater as a concept than the rule of law because dharma involves compassion. So if you look at all this, the government of the center and the state today deride us for our civilization, do not invest, and we as a people <coughs> have to come together to force them to invest because the primary responsibility of the state is the preservation and development of culture too. The primary responsibility of the state is to preserve the idea of India, which is much bigger than the idea that these kind of leftist intellectuals have for all of us. So I would say that we have a very important uh, important <coughs> matter to accomplish and that can be done in uh, many things. One, we must ask the government, which is a new government, to establish departments of comparative religion in at least 10 Indian public universities, fund them with chairs and create a corpus so that it will go on. Uh, two, we must make sure uh, that uh, we, uh, we fund research in Indian civilization in many universities by spreading them all across the country like we do for departments of comparative religion. And the third, we must have journals and other mechanisms where the, pub where the matters about this can be published so that people come to know. And this conference is doing exactly that, revealing for <coughs> the general public the rich civilization heritage of this country. The next thing we need to do is to make sure that we use the contemporary material, the continuing dialogue that we have and the new researchers to feed into our test books, both into our school and into our colleges. We need to rewrite history, especially about ancient India, about medieval India, and about the conquest, the Islamic conquest that happened in this country and the brutality of such conquests, not to hate somebody, not to create ill will, but to understand what we have gone through and how in the midst of such adversity, uh, we have preserved our culture even now, and how so many people have struggled for hundreds of years to preserve our rich culture and the rich civilization at a cost to their own lives. Just like the Jewish people never forget the horrors of Holocaust, the Jewish people never forget their 2,000 years of wandering and they created their own country, and the Jewish people are preserved Hebrew, the Jewish people are preserving their old culture and ensuring it, there are some negative repercussions too. We must make sure that we preserve it and put it into our class, into our text. Yes, the state is secular. It does not mean that our children should not learn about civilization. If there are others who belong to different faiths who want to learn, they too should have similar opportunities. But everybody should learn about multiple religions in this country, multiple happenings in this country in the true form with data based upon research rather than based upon a leftist interpretation of our history and everything else. And we must not wipe out the memories of what we have. The next point what we need to do is we must invest to preserve our ancient Gurukula system. The Gurukula system and the Academy of Greece were the two ancient educational systems which created a fantastic outburst of human creativity and human literature. And I think it's important to preserve that, especially the teaching of Sanskrit, especially the preservation of all the great manuscripts that we have all across the country, put it into the web so it's freely available, and the intonation and the passing on 
in an oral form of our Sanskrit scholars and all other scholars so they can be preserved and they can be studied before it is lost forever. The quantum of output and the quantum of knowledge retained is coming down and that's very worrisome because in 20-30 years the great masters die and young people don't take it up, things could be lost forever. And if we lose our past, what are we? We become empty shells, a people without any roots, people without any culture, looking up to other countries for culture when very great culture rather is here. The next thing which we would do is <coughs> honor our scholars who study our Indian civilization and make them heroes. So people look up to them, people respect them, and people know that they are going to preserve a culture by coming to conferences, giving them awards, and talking about them and do it. And do it in a rigorous academic manner. It has to be rigorous, it, can, academic. it cannot be that somebody says that uh, there was, um, uh, you know, micro, there was uh, stem cell research earlier and this happened and that happened. I don't think that's necessary because let us go with the scientific rigor that our ancient uh, seers had. They, had uh, they, 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 they wrote all this based upon logic. They wrote all this based upon reasoning. They wrote all this based upon uh, debate. And that debate and the reasoning is something that pervades all our civilization. And uh, we also need to take uh, other steps, uh, you know, have an advocacy where we go to people and opinion makers and decision makers and tell them about all this. Have many more, uh, uh, many more conferences. And at the end of the day, work together to preserve this, to talk to the world and to tell them. Because as India becomes a larger economy, becomes a superpower, we need to have the idea of India. And the idea of India has to be rooted in the idea of India as a, as a civilization. The idea of India is <coughs> civilizational. The idea of India is cultural. Because we are, in a sense, a collection of 29 different countries. We are very different people. What do we have in the South with those people in Assam, except our civilization, our culture, our religious traditions? We have different food, different forms of dress, and different everything. What do the people of Kerala have in common with the people of Gujarat? Or the people of Tamil Nadu have with the people of Himachal Pradesh? They are very, very different people, but we are united. We are together. We have common areas of interest, and this commonality has to be addressed. And lastly, we must preserve the freedom of thought, the freedom of speech, the freedom of debate, which is the enduring legacy of our forefathers. Our forefathers debated, they discussed, they never resorted to violence, they solved many complex issues to long years of dialogue, and I think that's important. One of my professors in Ninasam, in a, in a conference in Ninasam near Sagar, uh, was talking about the reason why we have multiple Ramayanas. He said, the Ramayana is one of India's great epics. It's the way which shows how Dharma can be preserved and propagated. And he says, there are multiple Ramayanas because every generation that has come on has reinterpreted the Ramayana in its own cultural ethos. So we can't be subject to one version of the Ramayana. We can't be subject to the Valmiki version of Ramayana alone. There are multiple things. And every generation has a duty to reinterpret the epic, answer the great questions that have been raised about dharma, about governance, about right and wrong, the treatment of women, the treatment of subjects, the duties of a king, and everything else. It is own ethos and write his own Ramayana. And our children will write their own Ramayana. Everything will write. But the common theme of the Ramayana will remain. And these multiple Ramayanas will address the the issues, the challenges, the human dilemmas that we face, the great ideas that come in a different context, in a different area, in a different time. But the heart of it is our freedom to debate, our freedom to question, our freedom to, to decide, and our freedom to have our own way of life, which cannot be constrained. And no society in the world has given, has this freedom 
inherent in the civilization. No society in the world. The monotheistic religions are based upon dogma. And some religions are so dogmatic that you cannot change a single word which comes in the holy scriptures at the pain of death. But these are not acceptable norms in our civilization. So this questioning attitude is what leads to greater creativity and that has to be done. I want to end by thanking Raji Malhotra for holding this fantastic conference. All speed to him for the last 20 plus years. He's been fighting the battle <coughs> to get the narrative back from some malcontents in the West who has taken it and are reinterpreting and trying to push it to their own uh, scholars down to us and teaching us what our own ancient traditions are without understanding what it is, without the scholarship and the research. He's taken on this journey to write, to fight this intellectual battle, to take the narrative back. We have to create a narrative. We have to have many more conferences. We must honor our scholars because in that lies our future and our salvation. Thank you very much.